Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. together for our worship team today. Thank you guys for all that you do and countless. Hey, let's give our hands also for the production team week in and week out. They thank you guys for all the hours that you put in and for leading us in worship and serving alongside. And I'm all ready for the word this morning. Come on, I'm ready. I'm ready. I just need you, just for a moment, I need you to direct your faith. You're not looking to me, right? You're looking to the Lord today. I believe he's going to speak to you today. We're going to read the word of God. God speaks through the word of God. How many of y'all have your Bibles this morning? Lift them up in the air. I'm going to have you open up your Bibles to John chapter 8. And if you are able to, I'm going to ask that you stand in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord. John chapter 8. We've been talking about daddy issues. How many of y'all enjoyed last week, built to last? Come on. You, it was a fantastic message. I love preaching. I got a little bit hyped up. I had that little cowboy mic thing that... That Britney Spears mic, and I don't know if it was the Britney Spears mic or if it's the baggage or that I was carrying, or I don't know what it was, but I enjoyed preaching that message to you last week, and I believe that this is a rhema word for you today. How many of y'all know that God can speak through any vessel, and if God can speak through a donkey, certainly he can speak through me. That's what I use for, like, motivational, like, God, if you can do it then, certainly you can do it now, right? No, uh, that might be a level of, that might be some issues, I might have to work through that, I don't know, but... All right, hey, we're talking about the orphan spirit. We've been talking about daddy issues. I believe that this is something that God is addressing in this house. I believe that it is going to be gone in Jesus' name from any presence in this house, any types of uh, influence that may have on the people of this house. I believe that this is what God is doing in this church. And if you're on board for it, I believe he's going to do it in and through you as well. Right, so... Uh, we're going to be opening up in John chapter 8. I shared this about three weeks ago, and I believe the Holy Spirit brought back, brought us back to it uh, to share this message today. John chapter 8, verse 31. This is Jesus. He, he replied, very truly I tell you, everyone, oh, sorry, I have the wrong word up there. I was reading the wrong thing in the back. I was reading that. I'm like, wait, that's 34, verse 34. It's 31. It says, to the Jews who had believed in him, keep in mind, these were Jews that believed in Jesus. So, you could argue that the, even us who believe in Jesus today as Christians can still suffer from what these Jews were suffering from, right? Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We like to quote that. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But Jesus says, well, hold on. you got to hold to the teaching, right? You actually have to do it. You actually have to act it out because how many of y'all, we actually do what we believe, not necessarily what we think. We do what we believe. And you can say, well, man, think it's so easy. Okay, I understand that. But what he's saying is that you are my disciples when you do what I say. Last week we talked about just application of the word, being able to do. He says, why do you hear and not be doers? Right? And I want to encourage you today to apply the word of God because we may hear the truth, but if we don't actually apply it in our lives, we will not find freedom. A lot of you have been around a lot of church teaching. And you're still going through the same things. And, and I'm not necessarily saying that that's, I want you to know that God wants you to set you free from that. I believe God can use it, but don't you settle even for a moment with those sins. Don't you settle even for a moment 
with those identities that do not line up with the Word of God. Don't you settle for a moment with body, body dysmorphia. Don't you settle for a moment with alcoholism. Don't you settle for a moment. If it does not line up with this Word, it is your imperative to have faith that God will bring about transformation in your life. How many have faith in this room that God is going to bring about transformation? I'm believing it for my own life. And if you need faith for your life, you can borrow some of mine. Because I've seen him do a lot of things. I've seen him do a lot of things in my life. I've seen him do a lot of things in people's lives. I've seen him transform some people in this place. And I believe he will transform yours as well as we yield over to the Holy Spirit. All right, back to the word here. He says, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Verse 33, they answered him, we're Abraham's descendants and never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Okay, now Jesus, Jesus is looking to the heart behind the matter, the heart behind the bondage. They didn't realize it, but know this, Jesus always wants to get to the heart. Because we may look at the fruit. Yeah, I've never really done, I've never really been. He's like, you're actually in bondage. Because in a way, a man's heart is right. He thinks he's right, but the Lord weighs it. He says, actually, hold on a second. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son, a child, belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Well, I don't, I don't feel free. That's why you have faith. You're called to live by faith. You don't live by what you see, by what you feel. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Even though you don't see it doesn't mean he's not working. You're called to have faith. You're called, you will be free indeed. He's saying, it's going to happen. So if it hasn't happened yet, why did you stop believing? Now, I believe this is going to break off. I believe this is going to break off in Jesus' mighty name. I believe I'm going to be a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. We are being saved. God is transforming me day in and day out. I'm, every day I'm becoming more like Jesus. I'm not going to stop short. I'm not going to stop short of what God's doing in my life just because, well, I'm not seeing it. He said you will be free indeed. So align your belief and start putting action to it. Right? Okay, so let's go to Romans 18. Or sorry, Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 14. We've got the Apostle Paul talking about this idea of sonship, the spirit of sonship. Again, we're talking about daddy issues. We're talking about the orphan spirit. He talks about the spirit of sonship. He says, for those who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by that, him we cry, Abba, Father. It's like always saying, Daddy, God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, testifies to us that no matter what happens, no matter what is happening in your life, I'm still working to transform you. It'll testify, hey, that's not who you are. That's why it's important that you walk with the Holy Spirit because when that barking, that growling, that roaring lion comes in to try to convince you, that you're nothing, you're, no, you're not even worthy of love, you're not good enough to be able to receive God's love, you, you don't matter, you're rejected, you're lonely. When that spirit comes barking, you have the Holy Spirit to remind you, no, 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 don't you listen to that devil. You're a child of God. You're a daughter of God. You're a son of God. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've gone. Nothing can erase that. What does Paul say? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you. I got some kids, and there is nothing that they can do that will cause me to love them less. I would give my life for them. And I believe if that's how much love I got for my kids, how much love does our Father have for us? But I want to highlight just a moment. He says, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, which implies that there is a spirit that causes you to live in fear. It's the spirit of this world. It's the spirit of this age. The moment sin entered the world, we were separated from our heavenly father. So all of us have a tendency to live in the spirit of this world, which has tendencies of an orphan spirit. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send my spirit to you. So it's available to you today. And that's what I believe God is doing in this house. I believe God is doing it in your life. How many all ready to receive the word and the Holy Spirit that is preaching to us today? God, I thank you. I thank you for today. Lord, would you speak through your servant today? Holy Spirit, come and rest upon this place. Help us to know you, Heavenly Father. We don't want to, we don't want an idea of who you are. We want to know you as our Heavenly Father. We thank you for your presence in this place that's leading us and guiding us. Hey, if you're hungry for the Lord to speak to you, we just open up your hands and just say these words after me. Say, Lord, here I am. Speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for the word of God this morning. Come on, you may be seated. You may be seated. Today I am talking to you. The title of this message is Red Flags of an Orphan Spirit. I mean, I'll know what a red flag is. Let me see your hands. What a red flag is. I don't know what a, is a red flag. It's red. It's like, hey, there's, what is it in NASCAR when they, what, what do they call it? What's it called? The red flag in NASCAR? They have a caution flag, but the red flag like stops the race completely, right? That's not what it means. In relationships, red flag is like, hey, kind of stay away. That might be something that you got to stay away from. Red flag of an orphan spirit in your life, we can all have these tendencies, the susceptibilities to wrestling with this spirit in our lives. And I believe that what I'm going to be preaching to you today, you may align with some of them. You may not align with all of them. You may align with all of them, and that's okay. We all know that the Holy Spirit wants to be able to set us free from this. It's an interesting idea of freedom and to know that the Holy Spirit wants to bring you out of bondage and into freedom. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has called me and anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recover the sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was sent to set the oppressed free. And for you to be able to walk in freedom, you got to know the truth, the Bible says. It says you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How many of y'all know that you can know the truth, but if you don't believe the truth, you will still live in bondage? Because I can tell you, hey, that fence, that, that barbed wire fence is actually not real, that you feel surrounded by, that you feel imprisoned by, that electric barbed wire fence that you made up in your mind, you can actually get beyond that. You can actually experience freedom beyond what you are experiencing then. I could tell you that it's not real, that it's only imaginary, and that you could go and walk right through that. That is truth. But how many of y'all know if that you never actually believe it, you will never apply it. Therefore, you'll never try it, which means that you'll never find freedom. Because you won't find freedom until you apply the truth revealed. In other words, freedom does not merely come by revelation. It comes by application. 
What you can do, what you do with what you believe is an indicator if you really believe it or not. Because you may say one thing, and I'm here to tell you today that these tendencies, these orphan spirit tendencies, you can find freedom in them in Jesus' name. All right, so what are these tendencies? Well, let me just highlight a few. And we actually have some guests that we're going to bring up in just a moment, not quite yet, um, that are going to be able to share on some of these tendencies. These are common red flags, common red flags that can be indicators that we struggle with this spirit. Now, we all can struggle with all of them or some of them. Uh, one of them is a, a, a deep need of competition in order to be able to stand out, right? And I have a list of, of, of on the screen, and I'll go through each one. It's a level of competition that, like, man, I have to be noticed. I need to be better than someone else. I have to be better than maybe my brothers, maybe my sisters, maybe my friends. Now, there's nothing wrong with healthy competition. But if I find my identity, if I'm a winner or a loser, based on if I'm better than someone else, those are red flags. They're red flags of an orphan spirit. To be able to stand out, I need you to know today that whether other people see you or not, your heavenly father sees you. See, an orphan spirit wants to be noticed. Think of it like an orphanage. Some people are coming to go pick someone, a child, and you weren't picked. You immediately think, okay, what do I have to do to be better than that person so that I can be picked? These are all signs of an orphan spirit. Another one is isolation or or. I say independence, but it's just a, an extreme level of independence. It's the idea, it's the spirit that says, I don't need anyone. I can do this by myself. That usually stems from a deep hurt. It usually stems from a deep level of rejection, maybe even abandonment. That idea where I don't need no man usually stems from some kind of brokenness in your life, maybe if you're a, a man or a business owner in here and you've had another business owner betray you, you just go on and you say, I don't need anyone's help. But how many of y'all know that we can go further together than we ever could on our own? That's why this orphan spirit, we have to face and find freedom from it because it will cause us to not walk in all that God has for us. That we're actually called to go together. We're actually called to move together. That's why it's important that you don't ever isolate yourself because what the spirit causes you to do is it start, starts causing you to say, no one's got my back. No one's with me. Have you ever been there before? I know I have. I know personally I've struggled with that isolationism where I just want to, it looks like I'm the only person in here. Anyone ever, like, <laughs> I understand it, right? Like, I understand what it means to, to, to isolate myself and, and to be abandoned. And I under, understand it. Another one is fear and insecurity. This one, this one manifests itself in the area of fear, especially manifests itself in the area of anger and fits of rage. And in just a moment, we'll talk about just a few stories. Uh, um, I, might, my, I personally resonate with this one, and I, I, I've seen it happen in my own life. It, it tries to control situations because it doesn't know what the outcome is going to be. So it, it, it uses anger to manipulate people. Well, if I get mad enough, they'll do what I want. If I, get, if, if I express myself in an, an aggressive way, that, then I'll get what I want. Because ultimately, you don't trust your Heavenly Father with the outcome. So you feel like you have to control everything. You have to control the relationships. You have to control what other people do. But how many of you know that you cannot control anyone else, only yourself? Couples in here, you cannot control your spouse. That's what I'm, do I say amen to that? Am I like, he's setting me up like, you have the best spouse in the world. Oh, I set you guys up for that right there, and you didn't even hit that. That was like a little, a little soft toss right there, and you're supposed to... Hit it out of the park there. You have the best spouse in the world. 
There you go. <laughs> okay, so uh, it, it's a deep level of insecurity in that it, it, it doesn't know what other people thinks about him, about him or her. Like, so I start to pretend who I am. This is what the orphan spirit does. I, I really want to be accepted because I was rejected, and we'll talk about rejection in just a moment, but I start to change who I am. I start to change how I dress, how I talk, what I like, because I'm trying to be accepted. In other words, I'm not actually staying true to who God has called me to be. Well, you need to know today that God made you for a reason. You're weird for a reason. Say, say that. Say, I'm weird. Who's weird? Who's weird? I'm weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you want to know about weird people? Talk about David. That dude was a beast. He cut off Goliath's head and then walked around with it. He was a warrior. And you know what you don't hear about warriors? Hey, you know what? This guy, he will beat you up. It's David. He cut the head off Goliath. And you know what else I heard? He plays a mean harp. <laughs> That's weird. You say, I'm weird. No, see, God made you unique. And the thing is, is when you don't embrace that uniqueness, you rob the world of your purpose. Because God created you for a reason, and when you pretend to be someone else, you actually rob the people who God needed you to be, to be able to reach them. So there's certain things that you stayed away from because you thought they were weird. You know, I almost took up tap dancing. You know, I almost played the bagpipes. I didn't do any of that. But I played baseball. I was a kid that liked skateboarding. And I bought these certain pants because I thought it was cool and you're supposed to wear these types of pants. They were like two sizes too long. And my mom looked at me and says, those are kind of long for you. Are you sure you want to get those ones? I said, yeah, mom, they're supposed to be like that. But I was trying to be something that I was not. I was trying to be someone that I was not. And therefore, I didn't start entering into certain circles because I thought, well, you, you need to be this to be cool. And, and I know God can redeem all that and God can work in mysterious ways. I just want to encourage you today, be you. Be who God has called you to be. Not your identity, but his identity in you. We have a, a, a core value. We are unapologetically authentic. We are confident in our God identity. What God has called you to do, who God has called you to be. That is what it means to be secure in your heavenly father. Because I can be me. Why? Because he's already accepted me. So I'm not trying to be who I am to be accepted by other people. Could you imagine if I just came up here and verbatim I preached another message that I heard? Now, that may be true. If it spoke to me, it might speak to you, right? But one thing that I want to be able to do is I want to be who God has called me to be. This message is completely different than last message because last message, I'm sitting there trying to read through the notes and all the things that I learned, all the things that I, I learned about this spirit. And I'm like, okay, God, I could say this and I could say that. And, and then and God's like, you're not being you. I'm like, yeah, I'm just trying to teach the people. He says, get up there and be you. So I don't got my iPad. And it seems like every time I don't bring up my iPad, Something happens, and I, 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 like, need to do it to read the scripture. I don't know. It just happens all the time, right? Okay, so uh, performance, orientation, like, so I, I have to do well. I base my identity on how good of a job I do. Now, you may resonate with this one. You may resonate with some of the others. I need you to listen to the Holy Spirit right now and say, God, if I resonate with some of these, know that those are not the spirit of God. Those are the spirit of this world, right? Do you base your acceptance on how you do? If I do a good enough job, God will be pleased with me, or other people will be pleased with me, or I will be pleased with me. What did Jesus, God say to Jesus when he baptized him? He says, this is my beloved son and who I am well pleased. Before Jesus did anything, that is the spirit of our father. 
The moment that you say, Jesus, I give my life to you, you become a son, you become a daughter of Christ, it's no longer based on what you do, it's what he did for you. So why do you keep basing it? Well, if I do this, God's going to love me more. If I do this, God's going to care for me more. Those are all orphan spirits. you got to get that out of your life. There's freedom coming in the name of Jesus. Again, you can hear the truth. you got to start applying it. Okay, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't feel love, but what does this, the word say? So I can't live by what I feel. I have to live by what the word of God says. Because you may be able to hear the word, but until you start applying it to your life, you don't actually get transformation because there is no application. All right, so last one here, and then we'll bring up our panel. Uh, a deep sense of loneliness and rejection. We talked a little bit about loneliness, but this is how this kind of, it's a, a word that I make up. It's called prejection. It's I'm not going to go up and talk to this person because they don't want to talk to me. So this happens in church, right? Does a pastor want to I'm always open to talking to people. So, so, so I, I've seen this happen, especially in church. Like, I'm not going to reach out because they might not want to talk. Or we interpret, like, text messages so that didn't get responded as, yeah, they don't really care. When a lack of response isn't necessarily has to do with the heart, it probably has to more to do with the schedule and an indicator of how busy people are. Right? So why do I read in? Because myself, individually, I already feel rejected. So I start to place that on other people. But when I'm confident in the Lord that he's accepted me, I will reach out to anyone that I want regardless if I think they're going to text me back or not. A true healthy spirit of sonship and daughtership does not read into other people and how they respond. It is confident in who God has called them to be. And regardless if they reach out or not, I'm still going to be a person that continues to engage. So I go up to people, and if they don't want to talk, they can tell me they don't want to talk. Right? I'm not basing the day on, like, if I'm going to have a good day or not based off if someone responded to me appropriately. Right? Because they don't affect me. Right? The Spirit of God affects me. The Spirit of God causes me to live with joy. The Spirit of God causes me to live with hope, right? So we tell our kids, and then we'll bring up our panel. We tell our kids, like, hey, um, uh, no one makes you mad. Well, you made me mad. Well, no one controls you. So stop giving them that control, right? All right, so these are all red flags of an orphan spirit. I'm going to have our, uh, a panel bring up the, the couch. How about you all put your hands together for our amazing panel? And I don't need this anymore. We'll be done with that. And come on. I probably shouldn't put that there because you need to walk through. I'll just put this over here. There you go. Uh, we're going to go through um, just some signs of an orphan spirit. And, and you may resonate with some of these. You may resonate with one, two, three, four, or five, or all of them. Technically, there's like ten on there if you kind of add them together. Um, I will say personally, I wrestle with the fear insecurity one. Um, I wrestle with probably all of them. Loneliness was a big thing for me over the last two years, and rejection was a big thing because I, I had, it was weird. Like, I had people in my life that I never, ever thought I would have access to, very influential people, and I found myself wanting more access to more influential people and because that's a spirit of loneliness and rejection. Like, I just need someone else to, to fulfill me so that I can feel fulfilled. And if you're ever looking for that outside of God, you will continually chase something that will never fulfill you. So another one that I, is fear, and how fear shows itself in my life. Um, in the past, I used to work construction five days a week, and I used to have extreme fits of rage and anger. 
and it, it, it didn't, I was kind of just fine with it because I was just like, well, that's just how I am. Because how many of y'all know we can just identify and we're just like, that's just how I am. And, and until my dad actually said, why are you getting so mad? And I said, well, because this just isn't working properly. And, and he said, well, so what if it doesn't work? And it took me a moment, not necessarily from my dad, but the Holy Spirit said that same question to me. Why are you getting so mad? And I tried to, to excuse my behavior. Um, but then I just let the Holy Spirit do heart work. Because how many know that the Holy Spirit is the best heart surgeon? And he'll start saying, okay, what's really going on in there, Eli? And he already knew. He was just, <laughs> I needed to know. I was kind of late to the party. And he said, uh, he said, uh, what causes you? And I, after some heart work, I was like, you know what? It's, it's I don't feel like I will get the job done in time because when stuff doesn't go right, I get mad. And, okay, what, what's wrong with it taking longer than you expected? Well, it's not longer than I expected. It's longer than my dad expected because my dad was my boss. And it was, it was okay, does he still care regardless of how long it goes? And I had a conversation with my dad. I said, Dad, I think I get mad because I feel like you're mad at me for not getting the job done in time. He says, my dad, he's like, Eli, crap happens. He said a little bit more of a construction term. And he's like, oh, what? <laughs> there, it happens. That was my fault. This is a 250-pound dude just, I should not have done that. All right, I, I, I've been hurt by this chair, so I don't trust it anymore. Do we get there with, uh, with people? See, we get that way with people, though. We've been hurt, and then we don't trust people again, right? We get that way. It's like we get hurt, and like even though a loving hand wants to pet a dog, that dog who's been abused doesn't want the loving hand, right? So that, that's just relationships in our lives, and we don't trust people again. And So what I was just processing just really quick, and then I'll have the panel share some stories of their life. Um, the Holy Spirit said, you actually get mad because you think your dad's mad at you. And it's not that you're actually mad at the object. It's that you don't think you're working good enough in order to be loved by your dad. And my dad helped set me free by saying, Eli, it doesn't matter how long the job takes. I'm still happy. I know you're working your best. And it was that revelation applied that helped me find freedom from fits of rage and anger. Can I tell you, the fruit that you see is not always the fruit. Oh, just don't get mad. You have to take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit, what is really going on? Right? And I found freedom in that. Wow, what is happening? <laughs> we used these both last week. <laughs> here, somebody's having, here, we can just get it off and use these chairs, guys. Here, just, just bring it off. We'll grab these two chairs, these chairs, three chairs. The, oh, we used these this, the first service. We didn't use them last week. We used these the first service. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm sitting back down. Um, but I'm just saying to you, like, I still have to have resistance to that. And I have to really ask myself, okay, if I find myself getting mad, because how many of y'all know the devil wants to keep knocking, right? I have to ask myself, okay, God, what is going on in my heart right now? Why do I feel like I need to? And the Holy Spirit will help you, but you have to actively resist these as you find freedom Sometimes it goes away completely. You never have to think about it again. But sometimes the Lord's saying, hey, now I'm teaching you how to walk in the Holy Spirit. 
and you have to actively resist these tendencies in your life. So I have the panel, amazing panel up here. Uh, they're going to introduce themselves, and then we'll go through, and they'll have some shares, some God stories, and then are some stories in their life where they've also had these tendencies. So go for it. Go, hey, my name's Tyler. My wife and I are the operations pastors here. I'm Hannah, and this is my husband, Danny. We're the creative pastors here. Hey, come on. We'll put our hands together for our amazing pastors. In this place. Hey, so thank you guys for being able to come up and just share and be vulnerable with, with us today. But uh, Tyler, you go first. What are some of the times where you felt like you've uh, had some orphan spirit tendencies? Yeah, I don't know if anybody else out there felt this, but I remember we started studying this, and we're going through these red flags, and I, like, feel attacked. I'm like, dude, that one's me, that one's me, that one's me, and it was crazy. And I want you to know, if you feel that right now, that's okay. The devil wants it to feel like an attack, but it's not. Yes. You're in the process of revelation, yeah. which is great. And so freedom is coming. And so, hey, keep believing in that. Lean into that. I love what Pastor Eli said earlier. He said, take that revelation, apply yourself to it, and watch what God's able to do. Amen. And so we're going through this, and multiple of these are just jumping off the page at me. But one in particular, like, not only is something that I've maybe struggled with in recent years, but... I really felt like this was like a broad stroke over the way I've lived the majority of my life. And that's this one, that you strive to achieve or be successful in order to prove your worth. So I'm going to say it again. You strive to achieve or be successful, like in life, to prove your worth. And man, I feel like I've lived so much of my life in that way. And I remember reading this and going, man, this, this feels so applicable. But like what Pastor Eli was saying, what you really want to do is get with the Holy Spirit and go, What's the root of this? Like, where does, where does this start? Where did this start? And I really believe that uh, this is attached to a lie that I don't think any of us would outright go, I believe this lie. But when we look at the way we live our lives, the way that in particular with this, we strive for achievement or success, we go, we might believe this more than we think. And it's the lie that my actions determine my worth. So if I'm successful or whatever I perceive that to be or I'm achieving and I feel really, really good, that's awesome, but that also applies negatively as well. So if I am underperforming or I don't feel successful or I don't receive praise on something that might have even been great, I feel like a failure. I feel like I'm not doing anything with my life. All of this isn't attached to drive. Drive is a good thing that God gives you. It's attached to a lie that what I really believe is that my actions determine my worth. So if I'm acting accordingly, I'm worth love. I'm able to be loved. I'm worth a lot of love. But if I'm negatively acting or underperforming or not doing what's expected of me, I don't receive love. I'm not, I'm not lovable. What a lie from the enemy. Because we know that the orphan spirit is a fatherless spirit. And so when you don't have a father, you have to go out there and achieve. You have to go be successful. You have to go and create some sorts of, sort of self-worth for you. But the reality is when you have a father, we're not living for approval, but we're living from approval. Yeah. We have such a good God in heaven. How many of you guys thankful for our good heavenly father? Isn't he good? He's so good. And so I don't have to spend my life trying to achieve to get other people to praise me, trying to achieve so I can sleep better at night. Because reality is the God that I serve who adopted me into his family is victorious, has achieved, and I am now heir to that and receive that through his adoption. I am successful. I don't have to create anything for me, and it certainly doesn't determine my worth. What a lie from the enemy. And I saw this play out a little bit, and I think this is such an example of how early the enemy wants to attack us with this in life. We had a, a, our second kid a few weeks ago, and so my first boy, he's, like, going in between babysitters, staying nights at daycare, and we haven't seen him in a while. But then we get, like, the big snowstorm, and so I'm like, well, I should 
should probably go home and like shovel my driveway so babysitters aren't like driving through a foot of snow. And so I get to go home for like an hour and I get to see Z and he's like so pumped to see me. And at some point he goes and grabs the TV remotes and that's a no-no. Okay, we don't grab TV remotes because everything to Zealous is a ball. So he will throw the remote, the batteries will come out and then I'm wrestling batteries out of his mouth. Like this is like a regular thing in my house. And so he's like, I get home, we're excited to see him. And then as I'm getting ready to leave, I've already made up my mind that I'm leaving. Regardless of his behavior, he thinks it's funny to go and grab the remotes. So I say, buddy, we don't grab the remotes. And then the next thing I say is bye-bye. So for him, his little 16-month-year-old, uh, is that how you say it? 16-month-old mind. Uh, mine, what he's perceiving is one plus one equals two. So I did something wrong so my dad would distance himself. And it seems so silly for a 16-month-old to believe that. But I can't tell you how many times in my life when I've sinned, when I feel like I'm not achieving, when I'm not being successful, that now I have to pay for my problems. And now God is going to distance himself because I was bad. But when I do good, God's close to me. But when I do bad, God distances himself. Oh, it broke my heart. I called Jordan all the way to the hospital. I was like, I just have to talk to someone. I think he thinks that. Because... It's so wrong, and I want to leave you with this. If in my little tiny human capacity for love, I was heartbroken that my kid would believe that. How much more does God look at us when we believe our actions determine our worth and go, son, daughter, no, you are loved, you are chosen. That's not who you are. Come on. Amen. Your actions do not determine your worth. Amen. And I want to encourage you to read, if you struggle with this one, I want you to go home and I want you to read Luke 15, the whole chapter. You'll see the lost sheep the lost coin, and the lost son. And I want you to see God's reaction to finding each one, even when their behavior isn't positive, and you'll realize the good father that we have. Amen. Amen. Come on. Amen. Yeah, for me, so we've been, we've been talking about, um, like, the orphan spirit, orphan mindset for, like, the last five months. We've been thinking about it. We've been praying into it, really believing that God is going to do something special um, not just in our church as a whole, but in each individual lives, like in every single one of your lives. Um, we put a lot of thought into these sermon series. We don't just go, hey, what do, you, what do we think is gonna be cool? Like we want God to move and breathe on it. And so we've been, we've been talking a lot about this and I've been thinking about it uh, even just this moment for a while. And uh, for those of you who know me, I've gone through like a little bit of a clothing change over the last year. Uh, Hannah called it a rebrand. Um, and, and, and it, and it kind of came from just like thinking through a lot of this stuff and thinking through like, who am I, what, what has God called me to be? Like, what do I believe about myself? And, and it kind of, as we were planning this sermon series, I thought through like this moment that happened, um, in middle school and, uh, does anybody actually enjoy middle school or just one of those like, nice, one of those just like awkward moments, you know, we, uh, it's the first time we're changing in front of everybody in gym class, right? And uh, it's already weird, already different. You know, you're like, I, I've been, no, I'm not going to say that. Moving on. <laughs> now, it's like, we've changed. Like, we're all bros. Like, we've changed in front of these guys at our house a million and a half times, getting ready to go to the pool or insert XYZ here. But then you're in school, and you're like, this is awkward now. And um, so we're changing for gym class, and... One of my, one of the guys who I thought was a friend looks over at me and goes, hey, just so you know, if you get any fatter, we can't be friends anymore. Like super harsh, you know, me being a guy, I'm like, I'm brushing it off, like I'm moving on, you know, whatever. But, but what I didn't understand was that actually sowed seeds of like desire to be accepted in my life. 
Um, to the point of, like, I started wearing skinny jeans, and, uh, like, once I got saved, I started wearing skinny jeans, deep Vs, cardigans, biker jackets, weird stuff, um, and vests. Yeah, I think I wore, like, a button-up with, like, this suit jacket vest. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Fake glasses before I needed real glasses. Um, these are real, I promise. And I need to get them updated because I can't read what's on the back screen right now. <laughs> But I started wearing this because I saw all these big pastors doing it. And I thought that if I was going to become that, if I was going to be used by God, then I had to look a certain way, act a certain way, listen to a certain type of music. Um, And I really didn't receive, like, freedom from that until I realized, like, I'm a Nebraska boy who likes double steak on my bowl at Qdoba, and I eat corn, and... uh, like, like, this is who I am. Like I, like, I refuse to be what I feel like looks successful or what I, what I feel like looks the part because God hasn't called me to be, insert XYZ, famous pastor here. He's called me to be Danny in yeah, Omaha, yeah, Nebraska, yeah. who does want to wear bootcut jeans and flannels and buy too many guns and do the whole nine because that's what, like, that's who God's called me to be. That's who... God wants me to be, and I feel like I want to encourage you guys, if you are feeling that way, like you need to put on some sort of uh, outfit or Halloween costume or whatever to be what you think God has called you to be, mm-hmm. um, I, want you to, I want you to think to yourself and get a revelation from God in prayer and go, God, who have you actually called me yeah. to be? And then, and then find some people around you, some really great friends that can actually help you walk that out. Because the reality is, like, I've had really great people around me who were there for my gym shorts and polo days, who were there for my skinny jeans and deep V days, who were there for my uh, boot cut and flannel days, and who are going to be there for my smoke and meat World War II days, you know, down the line, whatever that, you know, what America, yeah, you know. <laughs> Whatever that next phase, like, I know that the guys who are with me, who have been riding with me, are going to ride with me through whatever era I'm in. You know what I mean? And, um, and I really believe that this orphan spirit is, is worked out in two ways. It, it's a revelation from God on who you are. And then you walking that out with people that are around you. And so, amen, just find some people who are in your world amen. that can do that with you. Um, are there any in the room uh, younger siblings, like, or youngest siblings? Yeah, so I have an older sister, and um, I, my red flag is competition. So I'm naturally competitive at heart. I love to play games. I hate to lose. Um, but I think a lot of this um, started when I was younger is my sister and I, we competed on everything. Who was better at volleyball? Who got the better grades? Who could spell the most words correctly? Literally anything and everything, we competed in it. Um, and then that was like the root of how this just progressed in my life. Um, and like I hated to be wrong. I would argue over anything and everything just because I, I just, I had to be right. And if I wasn't, I felt like a failure or I felt like I wasn't worthy or deserving of love or attention, or I felt alone, that a lot of these things I felt as a root, like, because I wasn't first, or because I didn't win, um, and really this, I started to, like, get pulled out of this, and be healed from this, 
first and foremost um, for my salvation. Um, so when I was four, I, like, accepted Christ but didn't really know what that meant. And so I, like, had this whole middle school, high school years of not having any clue really who I was. Um, and then the first, um, like, breaking point was salvation when I was 18. And then from there, I decided to actually choose good friends. Um, and so that played a really big part in it was who I surrounded myself with. And, I mean, my parents would say this all the time, like, show me your friends, show me your life. Like, and that really is, now that I'm an adult hindsight, like, thanks, Mom and Dad, like, I should have listened. Um, but that really is true, is who you surround yourself with is so, so, so important. Um, because these friends that I found at church were able to then help me understand what it's like to have healthy relationship with one another. Um, in a sense of, like, I just want to encourage everybody, this is the revelation I had from God, is you can win and I can win in the same space. So, like, just because you're winning doesn't mean I'm losing. Yes. And just because I'm winning doesn't mean you're losing. And so it was this, like, if I was losing, then my whole world was falling apart. And then I sabotaged lots of relationships because I was afraid to be wrong. And I'm learning that I ask myself this, would you rather be right or would you rather be right in relationship? Um, and so that revelation as well is one that's been, like, so freeing is like it's okay to be wrong like it's you're not gonna die like it's gonna be fine and so I think that walking that out with really great people and friends who um honestly want the best for me that has been just a safe place to be vulnerable and honest and walking that out um so my encouragement to you is there is space for you to win there's space for you to be successful um, if you feel like somebody else around you is winning, celebrate them because you can also win at the same time. And so, yeah. And I want you guys to see the reason why we have our pastors up here is, is we're still human. I'm only human. I don't even know what that song is. It came to me last service and it came to me again. Um, we still have these tendencies and I don't know about you guys, but for me, this is, like, actively resisting it. Like, so you guys, I don't know if you still have those things that come up, and, like, I have to be mindful of it. What, what you know, what was a big disqualifier for me was, they're like, hey, the Bible says don't be quick to anger. And I'm like, yep, that's me. That didn't really help. It was able to help me see that it could be possible that I didn't have to be quick to anger. So that's where I grabbed hope of that. Um, what didn't help was just saying, okay, just don't be quick to anger. You know, just come on, dude. God loves you, right? Come on, dude. It doesn't matter what you wear. Like, come on. Any, like, those are all truths, right? But if it doesn't really deal with the root of what I really believe about myself and what I believe about God, I'm doing fake mask, masking Christianity on this is what the Christian is supposed to look like. Therefore, I don't do this anymore. But deep down, I still have it. And God wants to work at the heart. And that's what God is doing in this, ser in this series. That's what God is doing in this church, in this house. I believe until this tendency is gone, until we're able to actively resist it and fight for it in this house and see it for what it is, which is a life in the pit of hell, on who you are and what God has called you to be. Don't believe that. You don't have to be susceptible to that anymore. Yeah, you can put your hands together for that. Hey, put your hands together for our panel, too, as well. Hey, uh, um, why don't we stand to our feet today, and worship team's going to come up, and 
they can work around the broken couch and broken chair. I don't trust that chair anymore. I've had it in my office for like three years and it hasn't, I don't trust it anymore. And I just want to leave you with one passage as we close. Then we're going to baptize some people. Right? And it's, it's Proverbs chapter 21 verse 2 and it says this. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. And the reason why that passage is pertinent to today is you may feel that's just who I am. I love successful business people. My dad is one, and, and I got a lot of friends that are that as well. I just want to know, like, what is driving you? I love people that are really confident in their appearance and what they have and, and who they are. I just want to ask you that question, what is driving you? I love people that are very expressive. I just, what is driving you? I love people that are melancholic. Why? What is driving you? Is it a fear of rejection? I don't know. Are you very outgoing? These are all very personal things. I just want you to ask the Lord to weigh your heart. Why do I think a certain way? Why do I believe a certain way? Why? Lord, help me to be who you have called me to be. Some of y'all like World War II. That's me, dude. I'm a big fanatic of World War II. You ask me any question about World War II, we, we could have a fun conversation, right? And like, there's unique things that you are called to be, and then there's things that you, like, place on yourself. It's not your armor. It's not your armor. You're a sling and a stone type dude. So grab that sling and stone, because guess what Israel needs? Israel don't need no guy in armor. <laughs> I understand bettering yourself because the way I communicate, sometimes I want to increase my vocabulary, my vernacular, in order to seem more um, proficient and efficient in my delivery of the gospel message. I understand that. But I still talk like Eli. And I want you to be who God has called you to be. What is the motivation? So for me, is it so that other people can accept me? Or is it, I just want to give my most for his highest, for my highest, for, for my Lord. Like, is it, well, I got to preach this way so that people will come and they'll be like, man, this is an eloquent communicator of the gospel message. I'm therefore going to place myself be verily under his seat in his communication style and skills. You can do what you want. Okay, I want to get better because he deserves my best. Not so that I can be accepted and approved. What do they think about me? What was he doing with the ninja moves? Like, well, if you know me, since I was a little kid, I was very expressive. My mom would tell you. He was just, ah. I almost did. I almost did play. What is that called? Theater. I almost did that. <laughs> That's me. That's who, okay. To be able to know, okay, God, who have you called me to be? Be that. Let the Lord weigh your heart. The Holy Spirit knows you. And so if the Lord can weigh the heart, that means the Lord knows the heart. And if the Lord knows the heart, that means that he can fix the heart. That means that he can heal the heart. So therefore, transformation is coming. You need it from him. I can deliver the message. You need it from him. You need that life change from him. 
You put away those fits of rage and anger. Well, hey, you just got to stop being mad. Yeah, <laughs> that did not help me, <laughs> right? Well, you just got to stop drinking, bro. Like, you just got to stop. You just got to stop gossiping about other people because it makes you feel better about yourself. Right? Well, no, like, I don't need other people to tear down other people so I feel better about myself. Like, we can both win and do well, and I can share highly about one another. This is the gospel. Like, this is the, this is the, the message of the family of Christ. Like, we're in this together. We, we, we seek Christ together. We have a heavenly father who loves us. So we don't have to f- save face in here. Uh, Pastor Danny shared this last message. He didn't have the opportunity to share this message, but he says, why is it that we're so real in the world but so fake in church? Is it possibly because we've adopted a set of rules and what we're supposed to look like and we actually still have the orphan spirit because we accepted a religion rather than a father? Is that possible in your life? I'm going to come into this house and how am I supposed to dress? Man, Eli wears a beanie for the last six weeks. Are we all supposed to wear beanies? I don't usually wear a beanie. I'm growing my hair back out, and I'm going through the ugly stage, and I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't care if you guys don't like it. I don't like my hair at that stage. I don't know why. I just don't. Right? And you're like, how are we supposed to dress? Are we all supposed to wear leather jacket? I need you to be you. Why? Because our city looks like you. And our city needs to find a place where it feels like you. I love your Ravens jersey, bro. The Kansas City Chiefs fans might not like it, right? But you got to be you. Your God identity, who God has called you to be, let's be that in this house. Hey, so let me pray for you, and then uh, we'll give a moment for some people with every head bowed in this place. Uh, If you're wanting to find freedom in these areas, I just want you to lift up your hand. Lift up your hands. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your church. I pray that you'd bring transformation in our lives, that we would know you as our heavenly father, as our good father. We're loved by you. So transform us into your image. Help us to not adopt all the different lies of the world that it spews. You gotta be like this. You gotta talk like that. You gotta dress like this in order to be accepted. No, no, no. We move from approval, not for it. We are children of the most high God. Guess what? Everyone else's opinion of you, I don't care if you sinned last night, guess what? His, you got to repent before him. Bring it before him. His love's there for you, though. Right? So you're not what you did. You're who he has called you to be. So, so, so bring, bring, your, bring your shortcomings before him. So willingly able, because he's ready to receive and forgive you in Jesus' mighty name. Hey, if you just lower your hands in this moment, every head bowed continually. I just want to take a moment. If you're in this place and you've never given your life over to the Lord, uh, to our Heavenly Father, and what does that look like? Well, it, well, it starts with just a simple prayer. And then it's a journey of continuing to give your life over to him. And, and I want to be able to lead you in that prayer. So in a moment, I'm going to ask that you lift up your hand because I want to know who I am praying with. And everyone will pray with as a sign of support to people that lift their hands. But if you're in this place, you're saying, Pastor, I've never given my life over to the Lord or it's been a long time. Maybe I haven't been in church in a long time or maybe I've walked away from the Lord and, and I want to come back. I want you to know today, my friend, today is your opportunity. So I just want you to lift up your hand on the count of three because I want to know who I'm praying for. You want to give your life over to Jesus. Would you raise up your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Shoot up your hand. Shoot up your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. 
If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.